to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self at the same time. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and nutrition and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you, and I know that you're in exactly the right place to turn that ship around and build a body you love inside and out. So let's go. Super excited to have a double guest appearance on the show today. We have Kayla Lee and Faye Sheridan with us. So First of all, welcome to you both ladies. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I would love to dive into the menstrual cycle course that you've both collaborated on recently, but I'm just wondering to kick us off if you can give the listeners a rundown on what you're doing in the coaching industry at the moment and who you're both primarily working with. Um, So I started out as a personal trainer, but I've now kind of uh, gone more into the health coaching realm. I still do coach women when it comes to uh, fitness or whatever their fitness goals are. But my main kind of uh, thing that I work with is menstrual cycle dysfunction. So I have clients ranging from people who have PCOS uh, endometriosis, who are um, experiencing self-fertility um, and just severe, you know, menstrual cycle pain. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, um, where, what kind of clients I work with and, yeah, that's, that's it for me. <laughs> um, can I just ask a question? Is that through Cycle Sisters that you're doing most of that work? Yeah. Yeah, so I do most of my work through Cycle Sisters and then the other majority of my work is through AWPT. So a big, uh, I'm so grateful that I met Kayla because it gives me the opportunity to reach more coaches, which is what I've always wanted to do and educate more coaches on the menstrual cycle and just how much that can impact a woman. Um, So, yeah, I am, you know, going between Cycle Sisters and AWPT. How did you guys meet? Um, so I did the eight-week uh, AWPT course, uh, which was amazing, and um, then I did the mentorship with Kayla, uh, the six-month uh, mentorship program, which was absolutely amazing. And even then, I knew I wanted to be a part of AWPT in some capacity. Um, and yeah, I think menstrual cycle came up a lot within the course, uh, within the six-month mentorship, and. Um, yeah, we just connected that way. Yeah, it, it actually was really funny because I was doing a tour, an AWPT tour. Faye owns a gym as well. So I was like, hey, can I use your gym to come and do a like a weekend seminar for AWPT? Um, we met and I just decided to stay in Perth after that because I absolutely loved it. So it all kind of just worked out really well. And then, you know, we were discussing a lot of menstrual cycle and I had actually spoken to the AWPT coaches who had gone through the course. And I said, what do you guys want to dive deep into? Because AWPT is a broad range of topics. I was like, what do you want to dive into first? And, you know, the response was more menstrual cycle stuff. And, you know, it just was perfect that, you know, I was in Perth and Faye was in Perth and then it all kind of just came together. So yeah, it worked out really well. 
I love that. Kayla, are you still doing any like one-on-one online coaching or are you focused solely on education through AWPT? Yeah, so not anymore. Um, I mainly just coach through the six-month mentorship. So I do like a part of the mentorship is programming and customized nutrition as well as mentoring sessions there. So I just coach basically the coaches uh, through that six-month mentorship and then, you know, um, continuing on as well. Yeah, sweet. So uh, like your main niche would be female coaches who, or is it, or is it male coaches as well? Uh, so for the courses, male coaches as well, for the mentorship, it's not exclusive to females, but I just haven't had any guys uh, apply for the mentorship yet. But I, in saying that, I do love just working with females in that like tight knit group, which is, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's just the most phenomenal community and to have seen it grown. Oh my God. It's really, <laughs> yeah, it's super cool to see. I'm surprised as well. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I saw, I saw the because I'm subscri- subscribed to the email list. <laughs> so I saw the emails coming through that the um, the menstrual cycle course was coming, and like you say, even in in my space. So I I coach, I guess, sort of like females who are really interested in physique but not competing. So they're kind of like high achiever perfectionist types, but they don't want to compete, right? Um, but I get heaps of questions too about the cycle and I'm I'm not surprised because I was the same uh, before I got into the coaching space. I didn't know anything about the mental cycle. I really didn't know anything. I think mum gave me a book uh, when I was like 12 and that was the extent of it, right? Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just I think getting less taboo, although I think there's still a lot of taboo, especially with the language we use. But I think you guys said that you were having a lot of conversations about menstrual cycle when you put it to the AWPT coaches. They were saying they'd love to deep dive. What was the big gap? Like what was the the thing that made you guys go, yep, I think we really need to provide further education and produce a standalone course? Um, I mean, like, like you said, it was previously taboo, but I also think that, you know, there being really little research on the menstrual cycle and on like females in general and training was where kind of the gap lay. Like, yes, it is. It was previously a little bit taboo. We kind of knew it was going on, but then also I think it was just a lack of knowledge and a lack of education and a lack of like research around it. Um, that you know had people not necessarily uh, speaking about it as well and you know predominantly the fitness industry has been uh, run by male coaches I would say and sort of you know having that um, that domination I guess of male coaches probably just assuming that you know females were the same as them they would train the same as them I mean we're both you know humans so we're both the same species so like it doesn't necessarily mean that um you know we need to train differently but it's just that there are considerations that we do need to make with females with our training with our nutrition um in terms of you know what needs to be educated about it and and where that kind of gap was I suppose do you agree yeah and I think the menstrual cycle course allowed us to dive deeper into what a lot of women are experiencing, which is some sort of menstrual cycle dysfunction, because a lot of these menstrual cycle dysfunctions have been normalised, and while they are common, a lot of them aren't normal. And so 
it has allowed us to dive deeper into, into menstrual cycle dysfunction and educating coaches on what they can do as a coach to support their clients going through, um, you know, their menstrual cycle and different stages of their life as well because we do touch on perimenopause and menopause as well. Yeah, definitely want to dive into the, um, especially like even PMS, things being common but not normal. Um, and we'll get we'll get to that soon. But if there's some sort of and these questions that I've got written, I could go for hours. But um, <laughs> you can sort of take as long as you would like or as short as you would like. But when it comes to common mistakes or misinformation that you see women are privy to when it comes to the menstrual cycle, their menstrual cycle health, are there any main ones that are jumping out at you? Although again, I know there's probably a billion. I think I'll let Faye answer this one because she probably sees more of it than I probably do. A common one that I see day in and day out and I sometimes feel like, yes, the the industry is changing and we know that this isn't the way, but then I also get women saying, oh, my doctor said X, Y, Z, which is the pill regulates our hormones. And so this is a super common one that I see all the time. Um, and I, I hope it dies soon, but um, that's probably what I see most of the time. And also experiencing a bleed on some sort of contraceptive drug, um, calling it a period. Um, I think language does matter here. Like it isn't actually a period. We're not experiencing ovulation. Um, and the bleed that we are potentially experiencing is a withdrawal bleed from um, the, the contraceptive drug. That they're, that they're using so that's probably the main one um but yeah I think maybe also like you can't exercise on your period or like you you yeah. shouldn't exercise hard or you can't exercise as hard or as well like on your period um just sort of you know knowing what the hormones are doing and knowing you know that they're actually quite stable during that time when we're actually having that bleed um, and it can potentially be a, you know, a preferable time to train. Um, I think that's also a common one as well. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're educating the coaches is to treat the individual because how one woman experiences her menstrual cycle is completely different to another and getting them to connect to their menstrual cycle and how they feel throughout their cycle is really empowering and they can, you know, ch- you empower the client to change or alter their training if need be and their nutrition if, be, uh, if needed. So, yeah. Yeah, there's so many points in that. But just to start with, um, we might go back to what you were saying, Faye, because I spoke to someone last week who just doing an initial client consult, just asking, you know, any, you know, how regular you cycle or whatever. And she's like, oh, my doctor actually just put me, put me on the pill to uh, regulate. And I was like, I hate to be the one, I hate to be the one as a personal trainer to say this, but like, yeah, not not great information that you're getting there. Um, what would your advice be if someone comes to you in that sort of situation and said, oh, you know, my doctor says this will regulate my cycle and maybe they're very confident in their, the GP, um, what they've said. How would you go about coaching them, speaking to them about and informing them that it's actually not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess education, so getting educated as a coach first to be able to relay the correct information to the client because just saying it doesn't regulate your hormones isn't enough information. So if you can understand how our hormones work and communicate, like the the brain to the ovaries and how 
most pills or some sort of contraceptive device shuts down that communication pathway um, and that then shuts down hormones that we produce. Um, so therefore, we are, it's not regulating our hormones, it's actually shutting them down. So I think as a coach, getting educated and then knowing, you know, a decent amount of uh, information around how the menstrual cycle actually uh, works and what hormones are involved and how the impacts of the peel can impact uh, those hormones. So, yeah, just saying, like, it doesn't regulate your hormones is obviously not enough information when we're trying to um, educate our clients. Um, so, yeah, I believe education is power, <laughs> um, which is why we created this school. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in terms of tracking, so, again, a lot of women that, I'm coaching and, again, you guys are probably the same, may never have even thought of tracking. So I know tracking apps are becoming more popular. What can a woman do in terms of more than just saying, okay, you know, uh, period came on X date, finished on X date, that's all she's tracking. Is there any specific or other pieces of information that you would like to see people tracking when it comes to their cycle? This is the expert right here. So ovulation is the main thing that we should be tracking. Um, and I think that's where these tracking apps let us down a little bit is because no app can actually predict ovulation, regardless of whether it is an algorithm-based app or it definitely can't on an algorithm-based app, but even a data-based app where it's, it's uh, relying on our data that we are inputting, it still can't predict ovulation and it can't predict our fertile window because it is constantly changing. We don't all ovulate on day 14 of our cycle um, and it can change, you know, like last month I may have ovulated on day 12 and then this month it may be day 10 and it does change. And so what we need to be teaching our clients to look for are our own biofeedback markers that are built in within us um, and that is cervical mucus and our basal body temperature. So cervical mucus is kind of like a... a I want to say like an egg white consistency, but it's not always egg white. It can be slippery as well. Um, it can be, you know, it, it can, the consistency can vary. Um, and then usually when you are presented with that cervical mucus, we then usually ovulate after. And then after ovulation, our basal body temperature will increase um, 0.2 to about 0.4 degrees. So it's not much. Um, but there's that consistent rise in basal body temperature and that will stay elevated until our next bleed. Now, the reason why we need to be focusing on ovulation is that we can have an ovulatory cycle, which means we don't ovulate, but we still have a bleed. Um, so, yeah, and we want to be making progesterone, um, which is, you know, ovulation, that's how we make progesterone. If we're not ovulating, then we're not producing progesterone. And when we're not producing progesterone, that's sometimes when we run into some of these PMS symptoms um, that women experience. Yeah. With the, with the temperature tracking, I'm super curious. I've got a, an aura ring and I think it does a damn good job, which I'm not expecting. <laughs> um, is that something that you would say, you know, does the job good enough, something like an aura ring? Yeah, it is. 
But I also do believe that tracking your temperature needs to be available to everyone and aura rings are quite expensive and there's no nothing wrong with just getting a, a thermometer from the chemist, which is an ovulation, making sure that it's an actual basal body temperature because it has to be to the point uh, the decimal point. Um, so we want to make sure that it's available and accessible to everyone. And so a thermometer, $12 thermometer you can get from the chemist. However, an aura ring we know is a little bit expensive and it may be out of your budget. So aura ring is great. It's it's very convenient. It's on your finger, but a basal body temperature thermometer, it's just as good but making sure that you take your temperature first thing in the morning before you get out of bed and just jot it down down in a journal or an app, an app that I really love to track basal body temperature and cervical mucus. It's probably the best app out there. It's called Read Your Body. And I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm not like, not sponsored, <laughs> not sponsored or anything, but it, it really is. It's a beautiful app and it's a nice visual as well to see where your basal body temperature is and um, what, what's happening throughout your cycle. Yeah, awesome. I think, I think so many women too, when they start to track those, those kinds of things, they're like, oh, my goodness, and then they stop hating their cycle every month and mm. it becomes, oh, okay, I can see all these changes. It's amazing. Um, maybe they're feeling better because they're paying more attention um, to, you know, how to improve their health. And it can, like you say, it's, it's going to show us if there's something lacking. Um, mm. It's really yeah. important. I, I wanted to jump into um, before you said, you know, there's there's a whole lot of, uh, I guess, dysfunction that is classed as um, common but not normal. Can we start with PMS? Um, because, gosh, uh, it's everywhere. People it just is. absolutely complaining about um, moods. I felt this too. Like sometimes it's like the same day every single month. I feel like terrible. Um but I, I know some women just, uh, it just, it writes them off. You know, they almost depressive symptoms, um, anxiety, yeah. training, performance, all of those things. So what would be that line between, um, or is there no line? Is there like, you know, any symptoms of PMS should be further investigated? Yeah. So just touching on the mood we definitely experience a change in mood. There is no doubt about it. The hormones that fluctuate in that luteal phase, they're going to cause some sort of mood disruption. What can happen, though, is that if we aren't ovulating, then that mood, uh, that mood, change in mood can be exacerbated a little bit more. It can be more, um, you know, it can be, like if someone is experiencing anxiety around that time or depression, it may be because they are not ovulating. So I always check if my client is ovulating before we before we look at anything else. So making sure that they're ovulating, potentially test progesterone levels as well. Um, and this is why we see perimenopausal women going through really severe bouts of anxiety and depression because they no longer produce progesterone. And so yeah, that is one thing I look at. Also, the energy and emotions that we experience in that luteal phase as well. So if you are someone who is trying to be the same person in your follicular phase, like, you know, the follicular phase, we can go hard, we can put our foot on the gas, but if we're not honouring ourselves and taking our foot off the gas a little bit in that luteal phase and just nurturing ourselves a little bit more, we are going to run into burnout. We're going to run into mood swings because 
we don't have the same energy and we don't have the same hormones that are uh, kind of present in the follicular phase. You know, estrogen is very present in the follicular phase, whereas we have this estrogen, progesterone um, kind of, you know, ebbing and flowing throughout our, our luteal phase, which causes those those mood changes. So tracking your cycle is going to, I think tracking your cycle and making sure that you're ovulating is two main things that I, I look for first uh, and making sure that you are nurturing yourself in that luteal phase, whether it be, you know, taking some more time out for yourself and doing more meditation and grounding, making sure that you're not trying to fit all the social events in, in that time um, because that can definitely impact mood. And then as far as other symptoms go, so if people are experiencing constipation and diarrhea or if they're experiencing headaches, this is more of a hormone imbalance. So potentially, again, they may have, you know, nutrient deficiencies. They may have, they may not be ovulating. They may have, you know, high amounts of prostaglandins, which can cause uh, diarrhea. So we want to be looking at lots of different things. Um, but yeah, it does, it does come down to the individual. Sorry, does that answer your question? <laughs> I know it's like, yeah, Absolutely. It, it really does vary for, uh, you know, woman to woman. Um, but I do find the main thing is when women aren't connected to their menstrual cycle and understand their menstrual cycle and what is happening, that's when we run into things like mood swings and um, feeling burnt out and feeling lethargy and fatigue. Mm, absolutely yeah no I was just gonna gonna say as well I think um you know you feel like you're kind of fighting or resisting Mm. certain things during that phase like if you're trying to use that same sort of mindset or that same um like the same tasks or like you're trying to like do things the same way then it it just feels like you're stuck and I, I see it like in, in clients as well like even with their business you know if we take training completely out of it even with business stuff it's like you know they'll get on a roll and then it'll come to that time and they're trying to do the same things like oh it's not working it's not working it's not working it's like okay we'll like step back for a little bit like reassess and then you know move forward sort of at a better time like sort of I guess planning things around um yeah certain times yeah yeah, I like I like to call the follicular phase the masculine part of the um, the menstrual cycle, and then the luteal phase the more of the feminine part of the cycle. And you know we can do a lot more in that first phase, and we need to be a lot more in that second phase. So yeah, yeah, it's so interesting, Kayla. You brought up the business side of things too, because I found the same thing, and I'm becoming much more gentle with myself now, but like I'm 34. Um, it's taken me a very long time. I would, I used to feel heaps of guilt for, I was the girl, you know, guilt for missing training sessions. Um, really like senses of shame if I didn't um, lift as heavy as I did the week before or like those crazy things. And then same thing with my business, you know, even though I've specifically created this, business and life to have more time off than the time off. I was like, but it's, you know, midweek and everyone else is working. So what am I doing? Just chilling. Right. Uh, and it's something I've probably only in the last three months <laughs> have uh, been able to just be like, you create this, like enjoy, like absolutely enjoy. So uh, when I'm on, I will go for it. And when I'm not, it's cool. <laughs> 
Yeah. Started working for yourself so you didn't have to have a nine to five, but now you work 24 seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you can work 24 seven from anywhere, right? Like it's great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So in terms of um, blood testing for progesterone, if you were, uh, if you had, I guess, some of the information that made you think maybe progesterone was low or, you know, not being produced or whatnot, um, I don't know the answer to this, so definitely why I'm asking, is there a specific time of the cycle that we should be getting a blood test to figure that out that's going to be more accurate than another time? Yeah, so if you know when you ovulate, you want to do your progesterone testing roughly like five to six days after ovulation. If you're not sure when you ovulate, then I just say to my clients, get it seven days out from your your bleed. Um, Doctors will tell you to do it on day 21, but if you have a 35 day cycle, that's not that's not great because um, you may not, you know, your ovulation date is going to, everyone's ovulation date is, is different. So day 21 is not, uh, you know, for me, if I've got a 28 day cycle, day 21 is great. It's, that's based off a 28 day cycle. But um, yeah, anyone that's over 28 days or under 28 days, um, it, the, the test results are going to be a bit skewed. So yeah, either six days, five days after ovulation or seven days prior to your bleed, predicted bleed. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. In terms of uh, other dysfunction, I think you mentioned PCOS and endo as well. Uh, So these are things you're educating about inside the menstrual cycle course? Yeah. Yeah, two two of the most popular um, menstrual cycle dysfunctions. Very, very different. Um, I mean, we touch on other ones as well, like hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is a massive one in the fitness industry. Um, I think that gets misdiagnosed a lot. So it, it gets misdiagnosed as PCOS uh, quite a lot because they do present similar um, symptoms. But, um, yeah, they need to be treated both very, very differently. Um, and what else? Yeah hypothalamic amenorrhea, PCOS, PMDD is another one, um, that kind of mood disorder um, around, you know, in the luteal phase for women that can, you know, uh, cause, it's like PMS on steroids, I kind of say, like it is a very hard time for a woman. So we touch on that in the course as well. Um, But, yeah, they're the main hormone dysfunctions that we, I mean, in saying that, endometriosis isn't a hormone imbalance. It's more of an autoimmune disease uh, whereas PCOS is more of a hormone imbalance. Just to dive a little bit further into uh, PCOS I am not an expert in this field Uh, from my understanding though it gets misdiagnosed a lot or there are potentially even a whole lot of hoops to go through to be diagnosed Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you could say that is fairly clear in terms of this is likely the presentation for PCOS or is it really hard to say? And then from there, is there any particular kind of specialist that you're referring out to or are you doing work yourself in that area? Yeah, so to diagnose PCOS, there's a few ways to diagnose it. Now, Symptoms is definitely one, um, but in saying that, so some of the symptoms are, you know, weight gain around the midsection, um, acne is another, irregular menstrual cycle, uh, just weight gain in general. In saying that, I've probably got about four clients who are super, super lean who have PCOS. So that kind of throws that kind of idea out the window. 
but it'll always it'll show on blood work. So we're looking at things like insulin, um, which doctors are quite hesitant to test. Um, so that said, you may you know try your doctor first, um, and this is where that education is power. You can go into your doctor and say, you know, I know this is what PCOS is. It's you know potentially high insulin, high excess androgens, which shows on blood work. Would you be able to test my bloods? Um, but yeah, insulin is definitely a hard one to get doctors to test. That said, you can do it privately, um, which yeah, it, it costs a little bit of money, but it, it, it's good to know. Um, so symptoms are on blood work, so excess androgens, uh, insulin's high and, you know, female hormones are going to be low. Um, and then you've got your symptoms and then the ultrasound's probably the last one. Like I very rarely get my clients to do ultrasound because um, it's just not reliable um, and it's not, it's not the only way to diagnose PCOS. You could do it in conjunction with blood work if you really want to. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't use ultrasound alone. Um, and then as, as far as, what was your question, the next question to that? Sorry. Oh my goodness. I can't even remember. I think it was like, who, who would I refer out? Yeah. To? So yeah, I, I definitely work with people with PCOS, but naturopaths can help. Um, if you're wanting to, you know, obviously if you're wanting to go down a non-conventional route, you have to seek out, you know, health coaches, naturopaths. If you go down more of a conventional route, which might be, you know, the doctor's putting you on the pill to regulate your hormones, um, understanding that that doesn't actually regulate your hormones, it will, however, help with some symptoms, but you're going to run into other compl uh, complications with, you know, potentially going on that medication. Um, and then another one is metformin, which is basically to help with um, blood sugar and insulin. So that's another common drug that gets used um, in the conventional so yeah are you also diving into any nutrition to help with PCOS yeah <laughs> Taylor and I talk about this all the time because there's so much noise there's a, there's like I feel like the the fighting online has escalated yeah. <laughs> um I would love to yeah where you guys are at on it yeah, I mean, like that's probably one of the biggest things that we focus on and talk about in the course is like, you know, obviously as coaches, we're not health professionals. Faye is a health professional, so she's able to prescribe things like supplements and things like that to, uh, to clients. However, you know, in the scope of a coach, what you can work with is training and nutrition. So this is a huge thing that we educate on in the course because, you know, your training and nutrition is individual to everyone right so like there is we're talking about that you know that fighting you know it's like do we go you know keto for PCOS or do we go high carb for PCOS don't go low carb and it's like it really is based off the individual and that's like probably one of the biggest takeaways from doing any any AWPT course is that like treat the individual in front of you. There is no one set protocol for everyone. Like, you know, even speaking between, you know, men and women, it's not like there is a, a set way of training between the different sexes. It's like treat the individual in front of you um, and, you know, their specific needs, because what is, you know, we've spoken about this, what is healthy or, um, you know, considered healthy for one person 
might not necessarily be healthy for another person. Like it could trigger some sort of a response. Um, so yeah, training and nutrition are probably, you know, one of the biggest things to sort of educate yeah. around it if you wanted to add something. No, no I just, I think um, treat the individual because, and, and looking at the um, psych around food as well is really important and, um yeah, just treating the individual and if someone, I'm going to use an example here, but if someone is like wanting to like fall pregnant and they just, they'll do anything and maybe keto is the, the best thing for them because they'll get really quick results. Um, is it the most sustainable, best option? Maybe not, but if they're so desperate to fall pregnant, then why would you deny them of potentially going onto a, a ketogenic diet for, for PCOS? Um, but, you know, I always say, like, there's research to back up any belief that you have <laughs> if you look hard enough for it. Um, so ketogenic diet will work, low-carb diet will work, um, but we want to, yeah, treat the individual and find something that is sustainable uh, for them and isn't going to cause any other issues down the track, whether that be eating disorders or disordered eating. Yeah, super important point. It's so funny, like, I don't know if we all did this, but, Definitely, as a as a new coach, when I was first in the industry, things like keto and that, I was I just you know would turn up my nose and just be like, it's just a death sentence for everyone, basically. And then you learn actually, no, it's, you know, it's, it can be very beneficial. You know, medical conditions aside, um, for the average Joe that wants to, and like you say, the psychology of them is very important, um, and what what they believe is going to be beneficial for them. And I think there's also that even that that placebo effect. Like I believe this is going to be really good for me it might be you know that might really really help them so I think that is a really good lesson for coaches like be open-minded what's your mindset yeah Yeah, I think that's a big one be open-minded I mean I don't use the ketogenic diet a lot with clients I haven't yet haven't needed to but I I do think like you can't push your own beliefs onto your client uh that's you're doing them a disservice um so you treat them yet yeah one thing I always start off the courses with is that evidence-based practice is not just research evidence-based practice is three pillars it's got um you know your personal and professional experience it is you know scientific research but then it's also your clients beliefs as well so taking all those th- three things is going to be how you are an ev- like if you're not you know evidence-based and you're research-based, you're leaving two of those pillars on the table. And also carbs are life, I just want to say. (laughs) I I totally agree. And that empowerment component I think is really important. So many um, people, not just women, so many people have had pretty awful experiences in the fitness industry, sometimes being burnt by a PT uh, or a coach initially who has given them some rules without any explanation and not heard them and heard their needs. So, yeah, it's, it's just super important. In terms of a, I don't know if I should say healthy cycle or regular cycle, <laughs> maybe regular cycle might be a better, better way to put it. What could women do to support a regular cycle, pain-free um, period, those kinds of things? Yeah, huge question. question. <laughs> two day, two day seminar. <laughs> I was like, I'm leaving this one to the expert. Okay, so eating. Okay, let's start with nutrition and, and movement because that's what we teach. Um, teach the, the 
the coaches. So I guess back to basics with nutrition, making sure that you're having, you know, protein, fats and carbs at each meal, uh, making sure that you are consuming enough food uh, for your, you know, activity activity level, level uh, I think is really important. Finding out what foods are inflammatory to you. So what foods are inflammatory to me may be different to Kayla. So if gluten is inflammatory to you, you may want to look at, you know, uh, taking that out of your diet while you address your underlying gut health issues. Now, I'm a big believer that a lot of this menstrual cycle dysfunction is stemming from compromised gut health, um, and we do dive deep into that in, in the course. Um, so addressing any underlying gut health. Um, if you're not on magnesium as a woman, even as a man, but if you're not on magnesium as a woman, you should definitely be on magnesium. Um, it's something that you know we should definitely be taking, and it can drastically improve um, our menstrual cycle symptoms or our period symptoms. Um, and then find someone, if you are someone that is striving for a menstrual, you know, like a, a pain-free kind of period and, and menstrual cycle, because some people do get pain throughout their menstrual cycle, then you want to be diving a little bit deeper into blood work. And I always sound like a broken record, but blood work can tell us a lot. And um, we can, you know, nutrient deficiencies, if you're deficient in certain nutrients or minerals, um, then you are going to be uh, potentially running into, you know, severe PMS. So just by addressing those nutrient deficiencies, you can drastically improve your your PMS. Um, We are going to experience some PMS, and I think that's not spoken about a lot as well. Like cramping for a couple of hours before you bleed is actually quite normal. Um, you know, our uterus is contracting. Sorry. Uh, Just plugging the laptop in, otherwise. It's, I don't know why it's not charging. Uh, there. Is that it? I don't think so. No? Next minute. Sorry. We're like, I've got this one. Okay. Hopefully we can edit this bit out. Yeah. Otherwise. I've got to do does it for me. <laughs> you can. Okay, sweet. Sorry. For a moment, I thought it was. It. For a moment, I thought it was like a dog or something coming to say hi. <laughs> no, the battery's going low. Is that not working? So yeah, a normal cycle. Um, you know, you are going to feel a little bit of cramping uh, as you go into your bleed. It shouldn't be debilitating. It shouldn't stop you from doing everyday activities, and you definitely shouldn't need painkillers. Um, so that's something that I always say to people as well. You're going to feel a little bit lethargic. You're going to be fatigued. Um, that's normal. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think, um, I can speak from experience with this is managing stress levels is a huge one as well. So, you know, as a coach or as a trainer, you don't necessarily, um, have control over someone's lifestyle, but you can help them in the gym and manage their training loads as well. So, um, you know, basically there are ways that you can program to make sure that someone is not taxing out their nervous system. You know, if someone is, you know, that type A, you know, you said you have a lot of type A clients who are, you know, go, go, go all the time. Like, that is really difficult to program around because if you're like, okay, stop, slow down, we're going to take it easy, we're going to do maybe more of a strength-based program, they're going to be like, 
I don't feel like I'm working hard enough or, um, you know, they're just, they're going to think, they might think it's boring because they're going to rest so much. Um, but there are ways like tricky ways that you can kind of like program to make someone not tax their nervous system so much, but make them actually like think about an exercise for, for example, like they might feel a little bit cognitively drained from it and like, oh, it's such a great session. Um, but, you know, picking exercises that may be a little bit taxing on the overall nervous system to help manage stress levels is a way that, you know, in your session, you can kind of help manage, you know, how much they kind of are, you know, otherwise they're sort of overloading and, you know, it's just going to add more and more stress to the system, which again puts yeah. the body in a state of, um, a state of where it doesn't feel like it's a safe environment to have a regular cycle to, you know, produce an egg and to, you know, potentially get pregnant. Um, you know, training is a stress, dieting is a stress. And 2021, there are so many other stresses. You know, we got the stress of COVID, we got financial stresses, relationship stresses, social media stresses, like yeah. life is just a stress. So I think that, yeah, is a, a huge component of why, um, you know, some women may experience if they are eating enough and maybe, you know, potentially not training super hard, then then that's something else to have a look at as well. Yeah. I'm super lucky with the kind of woman who's coming to me because she knows how I speak. She's ready for taking a bit of a backseat. She's ready to reduce her steps. She's ready to train four days a week instead of five or six, you know. Um, so there, I don't really ever get too much resistance. There's a little bit of panic in you know, weeks, but then they're like, they're just, they, they're done. They're ready for they it. They trust you. Yeah. Um, in terms of mindset, I'm wondering, does the, does the course cover anything specifically in terms of mindset uh, from the perspective of maybe stress reduction? Is there any kind of like meditation or journaling or anything like that in there or? There's a tiny little bit. I think we dive a, a little bit deep into it in the perimenopause, menopause uh, part. Um, so we do talk about how uh, the impact of perimenopause, what that has on a woman, because it is a bit of a death and a rebirth when we when we look at it. Um, as far as like mindset goes, we kind of educate the coaches to get their clients to have performance based goals rather than aesthetic goals. But I do believe Kayla's got something lined up for is <laughs> potentially. Yeah, I mean, mindset is in everything. So you know, when you are dealing with um, people for anything, you know, mindset always has to be sort of like first and foremost. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, I think like people when they are coming to you, they are looking for you know, they kind of already have had that shift because otherwise. I don't, I don't necessarily think like unless someone is ready, they're not necessarily going to change. So if they're coming to you, they're coming to you for a change, their mindset is sort of already shifting. You're just kind of guiding them along that path um, and, and, and educating along the way as that sort of goes. Yeah, yeah that's definitely what I run into. Like the clients that I get are definitely, they've tried everything, like, they're they're ready um it's very very rare that I get a client who is not ready because they're not you know mentally there so but mindset is you know I think mindset is the uh it's first and foremost like if we're not addressing our our own narrative our limiting beliefs that kind of stuff then we are only going to get so far so 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's something I've only chucked into my preaching probably in the last two and a half years. Previously, I guess there was lots of conversations and, you know, developing relationships on the gym floor, but nothing structured. And then since I've done it, I've, I've had a really good response. And I think, again, a lot of this, you know, that high achiever perfectionist, she kind of like, let's push feelings down because I have to get out. <laughs> right? um, like, especially being in a community of women too, where other people are starting to speak about it, I think can really, really help. Like, you know, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, and we can have a chat and talk about it. I think is is super important especially i've got some clients i don't know about well i imagine you guys probably do but geographically they're isolated um you know different parts of australia uh, they, they might be in the country maybe none of their friends train um and just dealing with those sorts of things so yeah i think it's I think it's awesome and again like the awpt community having that like huge female base as well i think could be really cool um, a fun question for you guys now. Is there any specific areas, specific new areas that you are looking to focus on in the new year? And it could be anything. Okay. Um, so I personally, for my own personal development, well, it kind of started out as my own personal development, but it will develop into uh, something that we will implement as part of teaching coaches as well as something that we'll probably implement as part of AWPT as a whole as well and that is neuroscience so um yeah I've kind of you know gone through a lot uh, like a whole lot of the anatomy physiology biomechanics side of things and I was like what is next what's the missing component so that's why Faye was kind of like uh I don't know if like I should be saying this but um yeah, so, yeah, there is obviously, you know, neuroscience is huge. Like, I think that's kind of the basis of, like, mindset. Like, mindset's kind of a little bit, like, airy-fairy, but when you get down to the neuroscience and you understand the brain, you understand the nervous system, you understand how that works, that is is kind of, like, what is, like, basically what mindset is or like um is the basis of everything so um for my own personal development you know right now I'm focusing on learning about my own nervous system um and relating to other nervous systems as well as you know my coaches and things like that and how you know each nervous system is different and unique and you know the emotional brain reflexes and our thinking brain all plays into that um so yeah that's that's kind of the um the deep dive that I'm taking personally right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we, you know, watch this space. <laughs> Super sorry. I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, for my, did you sorry. have, do you have one for oh, Yeah. yeah I, I can go, um, for myself, I guess I am just, I, for me, like my next deep dive will be going into perimenopause a little bit more because I there's lots going on with perimenopause so I'm studying a lot more on that at the moment and then um, I'm doing a couple of mentorships in more functional uh, functional health uh, courses um, but yeah for me I guess um, yeah that's mainly what I'm focusing on and just trying to make this this menstrual cycle course uh, bigger and better like it's a real passion of mine to educate more coaches so yeah yeah that was a fun question yeah, yeah. exciting <laughs> 
Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I know you guys are super busy. I really appreciate it. I know my community of women will have got so much out of this. And um, if they're not following you guys already, they will, which is awesome, just so they can be exposed to all this great information. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank so you. We love doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, before we go, can you tell people how they can find you? <laughs> Yeah, so um, you can find us at AWPT University, or sorry, at AWPT underscore university on Instagram, or the website is awptuniversity.com. My personal Instagram is at Kaylee Physio. And, and mine's Faye Sheridan. Underscore Faye Sheridan? Um, at Faye Sheridan underscore. Okay. <laughs> or you can find me at Cyclist, but yeah. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, ladies. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having us.